Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And we're live. Uh, folks, normally joining me from Oberlin, Ohio, the most interesting man that I know, W. Miles Riley, has the night off. He's got a prior commitment. But in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. And we want to welcome you to this episode of the Evolve podcast. We are very, very fortunate today to be joined by Brian Sanders. Now, Brian Sanders is a filmmaker behind the Food Lies documentary. He's a host of a top five nutrition podcast, Peak Human, and he's an international speaker. Brian graduated from UCLA with a degree in mechanical engineering. He works as a health coach at Evolve Healthcare, great name, Brian, mm -hmm. and co-founded the health education company, Sapien. He also works to spread the awareness of regenerative agriculture and increase access to well-raised animal products through his company, Nose to Tell. And uh, Brian, as we were talking about before uh, we started the recording here, I didn't realize that I was a big fan of yours about two years ago when I first saw this video on YouTube. Uh, as I said, one of the few videos that I've ever saved on YouTube, Game Changers Debunked, but I've been following your Instagram account for some time. And you do a great job of communicating this really challenging message out there of what real food and real health is, but you do it in an entertaining way. Uh, so. I've got to tell you, I'm confident this is going to be one of the most important podcast episodes that we can do because it's really a powerful message. And our listeners need to hear uh, the the concepts so that they can break through the lies that are out there. So I'd like to start a little bit with your story. Tell our listeners about you and what got you to the point that you're at today. Yeah, well, never thought I'd be here. Uh, never thought I'd get into the health world. I kind of didn't care about health growing up, but I was, I was always playing sports. Grew up in Hawaii, went to mechanical engineering school, and was going about my life and kind of getting away with it in my 20s. And then everything caught up to me. So around the age of 30, mm. I lost both my parents to chronic disease. And I myself was getting a dad bod and just kind of not doing well. And so when, when I lost them, it woke me up, obviously, to, to not have the same thing happen to me. Because the crazy part was we were doing all the right things. So we were just following the food pyramid. We weren't going out to eat. Mm -hmm. We weren't, we were like limiting junk food. It was very much just home-cooked meals, pasta, bread, low-fat dressing, um, you know, skim milk, uh, lean chicken breast. It was the whole thing. It was exact food pyramid. and it wasn't working. It didn't work for them. They just slowly got chronic disease. And looking back, I realized they had prediabetes and didn't know it. And actually the CDC even says on their own website, nine out of 10 people who have prediabetes don't know it. It's crazy. Wow. They don't, and this, they just like proclaimed this on their website and they, they're not doing anything about it because doctors aren't even trained to find it, we, they just know, oh, okay, once the A1C gets up to 5.7, now you have diabetes. 
you know, and no one even cares if it's a 5.6. And there's all these signs of prediabetes that I can just see just looking around at people, whether it be like just having that beer belly, that dad bod, that belly is basically mm -hmm. a, a sign of inflammation and prediabetes. And even things like skin tags or, you know, I just remember my dad having skin tags and all the, there's just a bunch of things. That, so I, I now know that they had it undiagnosed, uh, doing all the right things, not working. And this is what's going on times 300 million people in the US. And these days, usually before it was 12% of Americans were metabolically unhealthy, 88% were unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Now there's a newer study yeah. that says only 7% are healthy. And when I did think that one come like out 3%. because <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say post pandemic, it's got to be even lower than that would be my guess, because it's just amazing what has happened post pandemic with people the the obesity rates have risen sharply, even in the last two years, it's shocking what's happened. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's all crazy. The messaging is all wrong. Um, I don't really watch Bill Maher, but he did some great rants on this. He's like, Hey, we know that this is a problem that 84% of people, you know, that go to the hospital are overweight or obese or, you know, all these stats on how bad it was. And he's like, where, where was the government telling people to exercise or eat better or anything? Even if it was bad info, at least they should have been saying something and they didn't. And he, he was just calling them out like every few months. It, it was crazy that this stuff is is going on and people are just getting worse and worse when this is the time when we should be waking up to get healthier. Well, you think about what's going on in our society and the, the mechanism of health, the symbol of health now is that you wear a mask. You could be 300 pounds and put a mask on. And that's the symbol that we're putting out there rather than people that are lean and fit. In fact, it's amazing to me at how even in social media, how many people are pushing this idea of that the dad bod is great, the dad bod, you're, you're, you're great the way you are. And this idea that you can quote, be healthy at any age, uh, any size, God, you, you, yeah, or any size. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Healthy at any size. Um, it, 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 talk about that. I know you've done oh. a lot of research in this. What is going on? Why are we pushing this idea that we can be metabolically unhealthy, that we can have no flexibility, no strength, we can constantly have pre-diabetes, diabetes, and yet somehow we're calling that healthy? What's happening? Mm. Well, it's a new culture. I think it's it's kind of the way that the culture is going where everyone gets a participation award and everyone is special. Mm. And it's a great uh, way people, to describe it. <laughs> right? Like people have written books about it. I haven't read all this is like kind of goes outside my kind of forte into the health, but I I always see this kind of thing happen, right? It's like the coddling of the American mind, I think is a book. But it's it's kind of just like Oh yeah. Right? It's it's this this thing that everyone's special and everyone's amazing. And I guess it's a decent thing because we, we want to have people to have high self-esteem, you know, and, and that helps to have positive attitudes and, you know, all that type of thing. Sure. But they just, it, they jumped the shark, you know, it's like they, it's mm -hmm. gone way too far. So now that's, oh, well, everyone's great. Everyone's healthy. They have sports illustrated swimsuit models that are over 400 pounds, like just morbidly wow. obese. They're, they're one that said, this is healthy. On the, it said, this is healthy. It wasn't just like, hey, let's represent people who are large. You know, it was, they weren't just right. saying that, right. which is like, oh, let's be inclusive, which is another thing. 
that's okay, fine, be inclusive. But they said this is healthy, right. which is factually wrong. And so, yeah, we're putting a little bit of this in the film because we can't go down this route. It's only getting worse. And it's scientifically proven that as you gain more, carry more fat, you die sooner. It's it's actually a U-shaped mm -hmm. curve. It's a J-shaped curve. So if you're really underweight, you you have an increased mortality, right? You can die sooner. This is the stats that they use sooner, you know, years life lost. So that means that's probably people who are really old, emaciated. You know what I mean? They, obviously, mm -hmm. you don't want to be skin and bones. And there could be reverse correlation too, where someone who's already very sick and underweight, but then, and then you have this normal weight where you have a, you know, your, your good zone, and then it sharply goes up linearly up to as the more weight you carry, the sooner you die. This is all over the literature. I looked up all these different studies. It's not even questioned yet in the, in the mainstream media, which doesn't care about the science, I guess they can just say whatever they want. Yeah, they make these declarative statements that go in the face of what actual science is. Uh, Brian, I want to get to the food lies uh, here in just a second, but let's kick it back a little bit. Mom and dad got sick. Uh, dad had cancer, is that right? And mom, uh, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so these are these are chronic diseases. Uh, in fact, I read uh, many scientists now believe that um, they are kind of looking down this path of Alzheimer's dementia as potentially what they're calling type three diabetes mm -hmm. and something that could be potentially preventable uh, with the right lifestyle. So mom and dad get sick. You start uh, digging into this. Fast forward to what was the first project that you started working on? Was Game Changers Debunked the first one that you put out? Or how did you start mm. um, not only learning this for yourself, but creating content to help other people learn it? Yeah, well, it started nine years ago. So I'm 39. So it was around 30. And I just read Mark Sisson's book, actually, Primal Blueprint. People mm. uh, know of Mark Sisson. He's amazing. He's 68 now. He's shredded. He's the healthiest person ever. He's amazing. He plays, I played Ultimate mm -hmm. Fursnu with him after we filmed uh, his interview and he was running around with 20 year olds, outrunning them. He's amazing. He's amazing. So big That's inspiration. Awesome. So I started, you know, cutting out grains, uh, ex, you know, added sugars, vegetable oils nine years ago and changed my life. It was just, it was so simple. I was already eating whole foods. I was already cooking for myself, right? I, I, I was never just like going to McDonald's all the time or something. And all I had to do is cut out bread and pasta and tortillas and my whole life changed. And <laughs> I, I like, I lost like 20 pounds of fat and like gains like 20 pounds of muscle, you know, something like that. That's I don't amazing. Know. You know, it, my, my whole body composition just changed. It just like tightened up and just became human again. My joint pain went away. <laughs> I like chronic overuse injuries from the computer went away. Knee pain went away. Uh, acid reflux went away. Even my allergies went away. I had allergies. And now if I eat bread, if I'm, you know, go to a restaurant, have a charcuterie board, you know, eat some bread with the meats, boom, allergies the next morning. It's, it's amazing. And yeah, yeah. Not like I have celiac or anything. I've never had a problem. I could eat bread and it's, it doesn't really affect me. It just affects me in those small ways that people don't realize, like you have allergies. And so really it's just this, these inflammatory foods people don't understand because everyone is in this malaise of just inflammation and like chronic fatigue and brain fog and all these mm -hmm. things and they don't even know it right and then you, until you pop out of the matrix like so many of us have then you're like oh man i was 
I was not doing well. And so people don't know that all the, a lot of the stuff, they the problems they have are just due to what they're eating, but they just think that this is how you eat and there's no other way. And they just never give it a, a rest and they they just go along with their life and it gets worse and worse. I, I, I can really resonate with what you're talking about because much like you, I was... You know, I wasn't living this extremely unhealthy McDonald's, you know, on the way to work and on the way home type of life. I would cook my food or my wife is making food at night. We'd making dinner. And I, for the longest time within health and fitness as a trainer and a coach, but yet at a certain point, my body wasn't changing. And it wasn't until I said, well, wait a minute, I've tried everything that's out there. I've tried uh, all of the different things that, uh, you know, the American Heart Association, American Dietetic Association, that everybody talks about, except the only thing I haven't tried is getting rid of all of these grains, getting rid of all that kind of stuff, trying out ketogenic, trying out carnivore, trying out some of these things where I'm just getting rid of some of this other stuff. Um, I had a friend of mine get me introduced to... Um, oh, now I'm going to blank on her name. Big fat uh, surprise. Oh, Nina Teichholz. Yeah. Nina Teichholz's book. And jaw dropping just to, mm -hmm. uh, I listened to it on audible when I would go out for my hikes, uh, in the summertime, finished it in, in a short period of time and completely transformed my life. I'm 46 years old right now. And I maintain uh, low single digit body fat and I feel better than I have. I can't even remember when, mm -hmm. like you, I wasn't the McDonald's guy. I was mm -hmm. the guy that was eating quote unquote healthy. I was living a quote unquote healthy life. It's amazing what happens when you make some of these shifts when we're in our space. But for people who are eating uh, the standard American diet, I think it makes even more of an impact. What When mm -hmm. you made that change, obviously you talked about some of these things that happen from an anti-inflammatory standpoint. Um, what were some of the other changes that you noticed in your body? Energy change, weight loss, what else? Yeah. Well, actually, I should finish my story. I realized I just got off track with, with explaining how I got here. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that changed. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, just, yeah, completely. Yeah. Didn't have that crash at 2 p.m. You know, every, everyone's got that like after lunch nap and lull and they feel terrible. Got rid of that it's just a million things. It's just like your whole life changes. It's hard to even quantify or like talk about the specifics. It's kind of like you just pulled off the curtain to like the real world and, or like finally got glasses. You had the fuzzy, uh, you know, vision the whole time. And then you got glasses You're like, Oh, this is the world. Mm. So, so that happened for Great me. So, um, people around me were doing it. Uh, it was, I was just seeing so much success around me. It was actually when I saw what the health six years ago, so that was a vegan film that oh. came out six years ago. I saw it in the summer. I remember mm -hmm. summer six years ago. And it was everything the opposite of what I just did to fix myself and what I saw around me, all the people around me healing themselves. And I grew up making films. I was, I, I was just one of those kids with a camera in my hand. I got like the first camcorder back in like 1999 that, you know, had a little screen on it. <laughs> Very and, cool. You know, I'm running around yeah. there making films with my brother and my cousin. Then I took all the classes in high school with my buddy who's back in Hawaii. He ended up going to film school, right? So he became a professional director, editor. He's just amazing. We looped back in and started making this film together. So, so what happened was six years ago, saw what the hell, I, I was like, hey, 
I need to do something about this. I have some film background. I could make a documentary. Called up Nina Teicholz. Honestly, the second person I talked to, talked to Dr. Ted Naiman. He's another great guy in the space. Just yeah, a, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. great. Ted, Ted Naiman, Nina Teicholz got on the horn with the, I, I just made a website. I'm like, hey, I'm making this film. Can you be in it? And they're like, absolutely. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, just it kept rolling from there kept rolling just kept doing interviews trying to uh, piece together a budget you know just small projects started doing some instagram just to try to raise awareness for my indiegogo campaign which is still live by the way please go check it out foodlives.org oh, really? <laughs> you, you can link to the indiegogo campaign that's how we're making this film oh, still yeah, we yeah. don't get paid me and jay the guy in hawaii do not get paid it's all to go to the professional graphics motion graphics you know we do high end motion graphics we're doing custom soundtrack we're doing all the good things. So those are the only guys getting paid. And yeah, started making this um, just little by little, you know, like we got a little more money. We made another interview, started my podcast along the way, right? I was interviewing all these amazing people. So I'm like, hey, come on my podcast while we're at it. And it just kept rolling from there. That's awesome. So the, these uh, the documentary comes out, you're noticing these changes, you're meeting with some of the most fascinating people in the space. Um, talk about as you started to put out some of this content, what was the reception of it? How did people respond once you started to, mm. um, you know, drop drop some of these, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, the, the shows, the episodes, the movies, and then some of your other content that you're putting out? What's the initial reception? Well, yeah, well, initial reception is crickets because I was some random dude who had zero followers and zero anything. And so, mm. but then, so then comes the, um, the haters, right? Then you get the vegan haters. Then you get actually the, the guys that like the Lane Nortons, who I actually, I might do another podcast with. I don't know if you know who that is. He's one of these guys that's oh, I love, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, count your macros, count your calories. And I just don't yeah. agree with that stuff. He's like, everything's good, just count it. I'm like, so you're just saying eat yeah. eat less junk food and you'll be healthy. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I, I have all these arguments with people over the years. And and yeah, I don't know. It's it's been great. Actually, it's been really helpful to get feedback from the audience. And I learn a lot and I've honed in my message. You know, it, it real like I'm glad the film has taken six years because I thought I knew everything back then, you know, you think, you know, it all. And then a few years later, you're like, oh man, I didn't, I learned so much more since then. And so just doing all this content along the way has helped hone the message in, help it be more accurate, more bulletproof. I actually, I'll give Lane Norton credit that I wanted to make a film that he couldn't debunk. I kind of have this in the back of my mind. It's like, how could it, because he, he's uh -huh. trying to be like Mr science, Mr. Bulletproof, you know, like I'm yep. going to debunk everything. Yep. Like, I think I could do that so that I could not only will Sean Baker, Paul Saladino, like the carnivore crowd will like it. Even Lane Norton's going to like it. The keto people will like it. The paleo people will like it. The whole foods people. These are all my people. These are like, I'm in, I joke around that I'm in camp, no camp, which kind of is a camp in itself really. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the irony's not lost on me. Cause I know it is, it is, I'm in my own camp of thinking that I I'm so unbiased and that I'm in no camp. Of course I am biased in some ways, but, I, but over the years I've learned more about all the different diets that can work and all the different patterns really that can work. And that the diet 
doesn't just need to be a name. So many diets, people are just like, oh, well, that's keto. And so I have to do this. And they don't even know why they're doing it. They're just like, carbs are bad. So I just, you know, I just am keto now. And they just follow rules blindly, but then they could end up just eating packaged keto foods and not, not being healthy at all. Yeah. So kind yeah. of the, the main story here is I, I went on a journey of learning and just refining my message and talking to more and more people and looking at groups that do the opposite yet are healthy. I'm like, okay, well, what about the Okinawans or something? People like to point to them because they live a long time, right? And they're in a blue zone. Like, okay, what's up with these blue zones? And then you, you find out more that it's not really so much about their diet. It's the like a hundred other lifestyle factors that they do correctly. Yeah right? It's a community right. and they're outside working and they're staying active and they have strong bonds and per sense of purpose. And they, ex you know what I mean? There's a million things. They don't drink too much. They don't smoke, like all these things. And then they eat a whole foods diet, you know? And it's just like, okay, well, the guy, Dan Butner went around and, and like purposely looked for like people who he was trying to basically make a plant-based book. We call the blue zones that was trying to prove this point. So he's very, selective and, and biased and cherry picking. But uh, what it turns out is- well, well, not only that, but in that book, as you go back and read more about it, the, the dietary recommendations that he makes in there are not even the same as what people in those particular blue zones eat, right? It's oh, not- Because exactly. people don't, in those blue zones, they don't eat the way he recommends that they eat, right? It's, so it's just not true. It's not factual. Well, yes. So there's a woman named Mary Ruddick who I interviewed a couple of times, who's my good friend, who took me to Africa last year, which we can talk about. We'll spend okay. time with the Hadza, the Maasai, some other tribal groups. She's been to a lot of the blue zones to debunk them. Everywhere she goes, they're just covered in meat and fat. The Ikaria yeah. is one of them. She spent a long time in Ikaria. They're just eating lamb and goat and fat and organs and dairy and cheese. <laughs> and he was trying to... Dan Buehner is trying to play them up as a plant-based place. Went to Costa Rica. I went to Costa Rica with her. They're they're living off of eggs and pork and fat and pork fat, and they save it and yogurt. And they they all they have a cow. You know that it, you know they're getting dairy from it each day. Like it is bogus. The Okinawans. So yeah, I was gonna say the Okinawans. They they regard pork as a longevity food. <laughs> like yes, they didn't have a lot of yeah. beef because they're on an yeah. island. In, you know, like yeah, they didn't have beef. But they were eating pork was considered a longevity food. They ate tons of seafood. And yeah, they had, you know, some sweet potatoes and some vegetables. Great. That's fine. That's whole foods. Like, who cares? Like you you can what I found is like really you can have any combination of whole foods. As long as you have some substantial key nutrients from animal foods, you can be fine. Right. Like if you're talking about the Okinawan diet, okay, eating a bunch of this is just what they had available. They had a bunch of sweet potatoes, vegetables, seafood, pork. Great. Amazing. Go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like that, that's wrong. fine. You're getting right. tons of key nutrients from fish and pork and in protein. And so, yeah. So there, there's a couple of things that you say. I, I loved your tweet today, by the way, that, well, I, I don't know if you tweeted it today, but I saw it in your Instagram today mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, where you said, what are my dietary, dietary restrictions? <laughs> I don't eat foods that the mainstream thinks are healthy, raw, green, veg, 
uh, grains, bean seeds, vegetable oil, lean chicken. Uh, I love that. That actually made me laugh out loud because it's so common. I was overhearing a conversation the other day between people and they were talking about these quote superfoods, which is another pet peeve of mine. Um, talk a little bit about what are some of the main things that you hear that you have found over the years are just uh, complete garbage, mm. complete lies. Well, yeah, that kind of encapsulates a lot of them. The that's funny because I'm wearing a shirt that says uh, "Beef liver is the new kale." <laughs> beef liver is new kale. Yeah. Like people regard, you know, kale yeah. as superfood. I don't think there's anything super about it. Like beef liver, if we're gonna use the word superfood, was probably the only one because it as so when it actually is one of the most nutrient dense things you could eat on the planet. So very nutrient dense. Yeah. So yeah, and then I did tweet that today, and then this follow up tweet was I eat the all the thing I mostly eat what everyone thinks are unhealthy. I eat red meat, butter, eggs, cheese, sausage, bacon, honey. Like those are just like kind of mm. like six things I could think of that people think are unhealthy. Even the honey, that's kind of a curveball to some. And I've come come around on honey uh, and fruit as like being great and healthy. And and you know, no one thinks fruit is unhealthy, I guess, except for keto people. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I just kind of do the opposite of what the mainstream recommendations are. It's kind of hard to to list all the food lies because it's kind of just everything they say is a lie. I kind of listed in that tweet that the, that you read, though that's the food pyramid kind of, right? They 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 want you yeah, to eat right, right. all the grains and the bread and the pasta, then they want all the beans and legumes and vegetables and fruit, fine. And then, you know, the meats way up at the top and and that meat should be fish and lean chicken. I have no problem with fish, but I have a problem like with, with lean chicken that, I mean, if you're just trying to get some protein, then yeah, I mean, it's okay, but it's just, it's kind of like the least nutrient dense meat. And it, it also is raised the, the most poorly, right? Like if you get most yep. standard pork and chicken is just raised in a gigantic warehouse with a million of, of the animals in one place, at least cows are out on the pasture for the first two thirds of their life. You know, people think the vegans will have you believe that they're just in a feedlot their entire life and they're like in some cage or something. That That's not how it works. The first two thirds of their mm -hmm. life, they're in a cow-calf operation. It's a completely different operation. Which they're with their mother, you know, they're like out on the grass. And then the last one third of their life, they would go to a feedlot and, you know, they're on mud and it, yeah, it's not great, but it's not like they're in a cage. Uh, but that that's sort yeah. of a different story. If we wanted to get in the environmental side, that's a whole nother thing we get into in the film. But uh Basically, I guess I'll try to answer your question instead of going on tangents. Uh, the the main food, the main. Thing I love the I tangents, there, so you keep going. Uh, I love it. I try to always <laughs> weave it into the question, and, yeah. but uh, the main food lies, man. It the, the base, the food pyramid is upside down. You know, I, I think that's a common thing people mm. realize. It's it's just we the grains, the, these empty foods. I call it, it's just empty calories, right there. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back a little bit. I love it. We're going back in history, <laughs> okay. back into the 1950s yep. when we started having heart disease and we didn't know what was going on and we didn't have all the science back then. Mm. And you know, President Eisenhower had had a heart attack. This is also when everyone was smoking, like in their baby's crib and like in the shower and in the elevator and in their car, nonstop, like they're chain smoking, smoking like, shit. In bed, yeah, they're smoking. Like <laughs> they're like taking yep. a shower. There's they're a bath and they're smoking. So. They're doing all the smoking. Mm -hmm. They got all the Crisco and all the fake margarines and stuff in their diet. 
and then they have some heart disease. And these geniuses <laughs> decide to blame it on meat and fat. And that's a whole long story with Ansel Keys and people may know of the seven country right. study and all this stuff. Then we end up with the bogus food pyramid. All the, the, the food industry just takes off. They're like, oh, okay, well, fat's bad. All right, great. We're just going to put in a whole bunch of cheap grains and sugar and, and try to make packaged foods and sell them at a huge profit margin because they're now low fat and healthy. And so part of why this all started was because we had all these cheap grains and crops, right? We, we had the US with a million mm -hmm. acres of corn, wheat, and soy. And part of the story that I found making the film is they actually wanted to fit a budget. So the, the food, the dietary guidelines, it wasn't the food pyramid yet, was supposed to be pretty decent. It was supposed to be like, get your meat, get your milk, get your fruits and vegetables, and you know, like a little bit of bread, because that's just what they had. And it was, it was fine back then. It wasn't soaked in glyphosate. And, you know, there wasn't like Monsanto <laughs> bread. And it, so right. it, it was okay. And then they're like, wait a second. <laughs> I like how you just said that Monsanto bread. Would you like some Monsanto? What's your bread? Please give me all the chemicals. Yes. <laughs> Feed me. I want it. Oh, that's great. Dripping with yeah. chemicals. No, so they, yeah. they realize they're like, wait, we have to pay for this. The government is like, hey, we got the military. We got the nursing homes. We got the schools. We got the food stamps program. If we make these dietary the guidelines with the what? The prisons and the prisons. hospitals. Oh, they, exactly. It's the same prisons. guidelines for prisons and hospitals. All it's this the stuff. same prisons, thing. Hospital yeah. food, food stamp yep. program, all this stuff. They're like yep. fresh meat, fresh eggs, fresh milk, fresh vegetables, you know, fruits. That's that's expensive. What we got millions of acres of corn, wheat, and soy. And there's like lobbyists and there's like some this, you know. Some funny business going on. All of a sudden, the dietary guidelines come back seven to 11 servings of grain, <laughs> you know? And it's like things got pushed around. And guess who benefits? I mean, it's just, I don't even know if it's the government just benefits from not having to pay for all those expensive food programs or if it's the company, you know, the companies that benefit from it and the, the subsidies. Like it's just this big circle of sort of money flying around into everyone's pockets, but the, the everyday person. So the everyday yeah. person's health is screwed and the everyday person's wallet is screwed. And that's just actually the story of the whole world in the last hundred years. Well, it's, yeah, and, and actually, I think it's a story of the world uh, through history that that there has been governmental and religious impact on our food throughout history. Uh, there's a great, um, well, it actually is the, one of the great courses on Audible, but it's a 20 some odd hour course on uh, it, food and, the, and culture and history and religion, how it's all tied together. Mm. And they didn't even cover very much relative to the US and how we've created the uh, the nutrition habits that we have. But you go back through time and all food choices have some sort of link to some sort of religious or cultural um, link or, or cultural factor to it. Mm -hmm. uh, Kellogg, for instance, you know, I mean, Kellogg's made, I, I don't know how much money off of selling cereals. And what a lot of people don't know is that the Kellogg company, Kellogg was promoted by the Seventh-day Adventists uh, as this guy who could get in and, and lobby for grains. And it was all put out there. They, the Seventh-day Adventists put this, this uh, 
propaganda out that you should eat grains and get off of meat because at one point they observed people who were uh, mentally ill were sitting in a room masturbating and they were they linked it to eating meat so there was they said well that's causative right because uh, you're eating meat you're masturbating and so the the seventh-day adventist said we got to eradicate the world from eating meat because jesus will return when the when the world stops eating meat and so they have this entire agenda around getting uh people to stop eating meat because they think that's when the second coming of crisis is and it, it's fascinating to me when you're talking about ansel keys and you're talking about the food pyramid you're talking about the, the whether it was a budgetary decision or whatever it was but this is where our guidelines came from and they are the same across the board um i i love how you kind of made a jab at Lane Norton. The one thing I do like about Lane Norton is that he'll bring up some stuff and it's okay, well, let's, let's look at this. I don't always agree with the stuff that he mm -hmm. does to rebut what people are saying, but I do like the fact that he's trying to have some sort of um, maybe alternative view. Let's just put it at that. Uh, coming back to your story, you started to create some of this stuff and you were putting it out there, silence for a while, haters for a little bit. Um, where how is it being received right now i mean it looks like you've got good engagement on the platforms that i see you on mm -hmm. so you're obviously hitting a hitting a chord with certain people what's the response oh now it's amazing i've found my people my instagram i don't know if you're on instagram but that's mainly where i'm at and i have a good community there and it's going awesome and it's great is that people even come to my aid like they're they're always uh, you know, there'll always be some vegan that sneaks into the comment section or someone kind of trying to cause trouble. <laughs> the angry vegan. Yeah. And I don't even have to do anything. I don't have to try to respond because five people will, will help me. And I've just cultivated this amazing community just around just eating simply, eating whole foods, like being thoughtful about our ancestral roots and our heritage. And it's actually fantastic. I cannot complain one bit. And I've, I've, I haven't had, I mean, I had a little bit of problems with censorship during COVID because I was kind of speaking out a little too much and YouTube mm. took down my video and I got a strike. I have warnings on wow. all the platforms on Instagram. I have warnings. <laughs> uh, they, it says like your account is That's a risk. sign of a great page. Yeah, yeah. That's a sign of a great page. But uh, no, I mean, I have a few hundred thousand people behind me now on the different platforms. So it's Twitter is actually my smallest platform, but um, things are, yeah, it's been amazing. And, and it's actually even come to life in real life. I'm here in Austin and we're getting together in real life. I have a, I call it the Sapien Center where it's just people who believe in this. I mean, it's people probably like you, if you were around here, you would be there. It's people who just want oh, to, sure. yeah. you know, be outdoors, lift weights, eat good food you know, have a, a positive attitude, connect with their community, all that, all that. And I've got hundreds of people in Austin that are, that is Austin's kind of like a lightning run uh, for these people, right? In the past two years, there's been a mass exodus from California. I was stuck in right. California for way too long. And uh, yeah, man, it's been amazing. The community is just fantastic. That's awesome. And, and I want to I want to put a plug in here for what you were talking about before. So foodlies.org is where people would go and then they can come to this uh, 
Indiegogo page and donate to help you to finish the Food Lies um, documentary. You guys are working hard on it. Uh, tell our listeners about this. It's going to be a, a, a six-part series. Is that right? Yeah, it turned into a six-part series because we have so much great information. We couldn't fit it all. It would have been a three-hour movie. And no one's going to watch a three-hour movie. And we're trying to get on Netflix. We have some great distribution companies that are wanting to represent us and get it worldwide. And Netflix would be a major nice. strategy. And, you know, Netflix, it's all about those bite-sized series. You know, you get the series, you get like the 30-minute episodes, 25-minute episodes, something like that. So, yeah, this is something that I do all day, every day. I've been staying up to 11 p.m. working uh, most nights lately. I'll probably jump back on uh, the old scripts and all this work for the film as soon as we get off. But we're really trying to tell this whole story that we've been getting into. I mean, we've kind of just scratched the surface today, but we're trying to get pretty much everything that I've ever learned in the past nine years. And probably all the stuff you've learned and however long you've been doing this and all your podcast guests, imagine trying to get that into one package, right? Let's get this into mm -hmm. an audio visual thesis, right? It's like, how do we, how do you best change someone's mind? I, I encountered this a lot because I talked to so many people about this, the Uber drivers, the person on the airplane, the sort of angry plant-based person that you're at a dinner party and they're like, huh, mm. why are you eating that? And, you know, like, what is up? Why are you eating so much meat? You know, and then you get in these discussions with them. How could, like, the the best thing you can do, I say, is to, to, to show them a audio, like a Netflix series that's three hours long, right? Because- how else are they going to get all this information? They're not going to listen to 100 hours of podcasts, yeah. you know, go to like 100 lectures, read 100 books. You know what I mean? There's so much that we've done to kind of immerse ourselves into this. And so for the everyday person, they're not going to do that. So I just have to give them this series. And that's why it's taking so long. It's kind of like, have you heard the phrase, I would have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's such a good one because- Man, I could have thrown something out, you know, years ago and it would have been mediocre. But I'm sitting here till 11 p.m. on my computer. At least I got my red light or my blue light blocker on my computer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm up yeah. here, you know, probably ruining my circadian rhythm here, trying to do this because every word matters. It's like, how do we tell the entire story of from human evolution all the way to regenerative ag? And that's what we do. We start with like how we, do require animal foods like why we changed the way we're not chimps like we don't have like this giant digestive system that ferments plants matter like we can't get right. nutrition from cellulose you know we're not like a cow with four stomachs and yet the vegans they use that in the game changers film they there's twice they said the strong like i look at us ox and this i want to be strong like ox so i will eat plants or whatever the hell that guy said Right. And they yeah. did another one with the, like a rhino or something. The strongest animal is a rhino and it's eating grass or something. It's just like absurd. Uh, so we're trying to go back and, and, and say, like, how did our gut systems change and look why we require nutrient dense animal foods? And that's how we became human. And that's what our bodies thrive on. And yeah, sure, we can survive on just about anything. Right. That like, these, this kind of plant-based diet, this food permit diet is kind of just like a survival diet. 
it's kind of what governments always do back into the Egyptian days. The Egyptians right. are famous for eating all these grains. And everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with grains? Egyptians ate grains. I'm like, yeah, the the pharaohs, <laughs> like they 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 had a million slaves building pyramids and they had to feed them with the cheapest possible food. And that's just basically empty calories that like can barely keep someone alive. So actually yeah. that's a problem with nutrition is that so many people can eat all sorts of different diets and they don't die, right? Or they they eat any kind of diet and they're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm fine. And then, you know, they turn 40, they turn 50 and then they, they're on three medications, five medications. They get the dad bod, they become obese. You know what I mean? It's just the slowest process. So no one really gets it, right? No one under, like, it's so hard to convince someone to do this unless you've seen the results that you and I have seen. And it is fascinating when, when you get those results, you never want to give them up. I had a friend that he was, he passed away in his early eighties. He unfortunately contracted cancer, but he had lived a very, very healthy life and was very competitive his entire life in multiple things. He was still snowboarding when he was in his late seventies. Mm. Um, and he was, a, he, he lived this lifestyle. He ate a lot of fresh meat um, and, you know, was not this, the, the typical healthy American diet uh, type mm -hmm. of thing. Fit, strong, lifted weights every day. I mean, out uh, snowboarding, he could, he was showing me a video one day, we're sitting on the bike at the at the gym because I had sustained an ankle injury and he had just come out of uh, having surgery for cancer. And so we're sitting on the bike and I said, look at us, man, we're, we're pretty pathetic mm -hmm. <laughs> right now. So he's showing me a video of, snowboarding down this massive mountain in the middle of Patagonia. Mm. And he looks at that and he says, you see that guy right there? That's my buddy, Laird Hamilton. Mm. You see the one behind him? That's me. Mm. You see all those other motherfuckers up there? They're in their 20s and I'm beating them all. Wow. <laughs> and he just, like, that was his life. And he could do that for uh, till almost till the day he died. And like I said, unfortunately passed away from cancer, which I think can get many people, especially later, later in life. And it, that was just, that's the life I want to live. You know, I, my kids, my wife and I, we go out and we play pickleball for hours. We go on hikes, we paddleboard, we wakeboard, we wake, so we, all of the stuff. And we don't have to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to do that, right? But far too many people are sitting on the sidelines. And I think what you're, what's cool about what you're teaching people is that they don't have to sit on the sidelines. Um, you, you present this concept that I'm a huge fan of, partially because I've been in that dogmatic approach before of this particular diet. You know, years ago, I got trained by some bodybuilders. And so it was a bodybuilding diet, the clean eating diet, the whatever, right? And then I tried keto and then I tried carnivore. And I've uh, actually, I tried veganism for three months. I tried, mm. or excuse me, vegetarianism for three months. This was years and years ago. I had a vegan friend and then I tried veganism for two weeks and I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> um, and I say that jokingly, but also I was so depressed. Like I genuinely, uh, that was like the only time in my life that I can honestly say, well, I think I had some suicidal thoughts at that point. Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, this is not good. As soon as I started eating meat again, I felt a million times better. So you promote this idea of really not classifying a particular diet, but eating a certain way. Talk about why that's the message for you. Yeah, I call it the sapien diet. If we're going to call it a diet, it's sapien and it's or the sapien mm -hmm. framework. It's just what I think is how humans should live. 
And it could be considered a diet and lifestyle because humans should be outside and be getting sun and be getting access to nature and exercise and good sleep and all the other things. But to mm -hmm. me, you need to have kind of like a bulletproof diet or, you know, your, your ideas have to be bulletproof because, oh, I just don't want to be debunked, right? I just think it's, it's so stupid that people get caught in these little dietary camps, but then you can easily debunk them, right? Because so many people that say, yeah. this is how it is. This is the best way to go. Keto's the way sugar is going to kill you. If you eat fruit, you're going to die. Honey's going to kill you all this type of stuff. And they get into these boxes, but you're like, well, wait a second. What about this population? What about the Okinawans? Or, you know what I mean? There's, what about the Kitavan? There's like the Sukasente, the Tokulawans. There's all mm -hmm. these people around the world that they're eating high starch diets, but they're eating tons of really nutrient dense animal foods and seafood. And they're eating high starch diets and they're totally fine. And now there's this new community mm. called the pro-metabolic community. And they're, they go by different names, bioenergetic, pro-metabolic. It's a little bit like what Saladino is doing now where he's eating meat oh, and fruit, right? And so like I got into the science of that and like, how does that work? And it's so interesting because it, it, it works great and people can be super healthy and the people have been doing it for years. And then I'm like, hey, that checks out because there's all these populations that are basically doing that type of diet and they've been healthy and they're just eating natural foods. So kind of, you know, my journey that, that I've said before was, you know, going, checking things out with all of history, with all of people, you know, who are living like natively and eating traditional diets and what people, you know, around town, around the U.S. that are doing stuff like this and checking it out with the literature, you know, and you've got to make all these checks for things to come to the kind of unifying theory. I kind of, I guess I like that sort of Einstein thing. Like he was after the unifying, like the theory of everything, you know, and then mm -hmm. e equals MC squared is kind of that, I guess. Uh, but it's like my unifying theory of nutrition is this sapien framework, which is kind of what we've been talking about, which is you're getting, you're, you're eating whole foods, you're eating animal foods and you're avoiding processed foods. Like that's like the ultimate simplest version of it. And then that can't really be debunked. It's like, if you're like, I don't get obsessed with calories or macros because I've seen so many people do well on either side of the spectrum on different macro ratios, as long as they're getting enough protein, they're getting enough nutrients, they're getting whole foods. I don't think say a bodybuilding diet is good because maybe it can work in the short term and you could do, you know, you could just eat like lean chicken and broccoli and rice. And you can right. get cut and shredded and all that, but that's not long-term health. So another component is long-term thinking, right? And what and short so many diets are short-term thinking. What a juice fast mm -hmm. is short-term thinking. I think the juice fast is the stupidest thing you could do. You're just chugging sugar. <laughs> you're just like chugging sugar right. water. I agree. You're getting no protein. So mainly you're getting no protein. So people think they're losing weight. Guess what? You just lost muscle. <laughs> you basically, yep, yep. you just lost muscle mass, fella. Like you, you think you're you're so good because the scale went down. Half, well, probably more than half of that was muscle, not fat. So, and they've done studies and to diarrhea show too for a lot of the people. <laughs> there, a lot of them are getting <laughs> yeah. diarrhea from just doing that juice fast. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but they think yeah, it's I, they're like, oh, great, I looked good in my swimsuit on my vacation, and then they go back yeah. to now they're like 
fiending for sugar, they're starving, they're nutrient deprived, they're protein deprived, and then they they just go back to even heavier than before. So short-term thinking is also a huge problem that I think that's bodybuilding community, that's standard weight loss community, yep. that's Jenny Craig, that's Weight Watchers, all the standard stuff is just short-term thinking. Health is about long-term. Health is about your buddy who's 80 doing the stuff. Like uh, Mark Sisson, that's long-term thinking. He's 68. He's mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. He's out there doing the, yeah, like the paddle boarding. He's doing the this foil, hydrofoil board. He's doing all these things. And that's what I want to do. And what that means is is full nutrients and full, like just nutrient. It's like long-term thinking is about protein and nutrients, basically. And yeah. it's it's kind of hard to like quantify nutrients or really feel the difference. But like nutrients is like the vitamins and minerals. And that's what comes from all the whole foods and mainly the animal foods. So I, I hope this is all making sense. I'm not being too like sort of high level here when I'm trying to like talk about this. I can get more concrete and tell you like the foods that I think are good. But it it's eating animal foods and specific plant foods that don't have a lot of anti-nutrients, like the foods we listed like grains and beans and seeds. Like these are foods that have a lot of anti-nutrients in them that block the nutrient absorption. And they're actually not very nutrient dense. They they don't have a lot of nutrients per the energy they have, like per calorie. Like I'm very interested in nutrient density was just like how much how much good stuff, protein nutrients does it have per the the extra calories, right? And so yeah, that makes sense, right? It's like what what are empty calories foods? It's like bread and pasta and rice. It's just it's just empty calories, basically, and you're not getting a lot of nutrients. What's opposite? Liver. When, when, when we were kids, yeah, these are the nutrient dense, right? When we were kids, we re, we referred to a lot of those foods as as junk foods, right? You're eating junk food if you're eating candy, but, but basically, you look at them. What are they? They're they're just not nutrient dense foods, right? Um, or they have like one or two things. They've got uh, obviously they're not nutrient dense, meaning that they don't have a lot of micronutrients, but they're probably just super heavy, or they only have. Uh, primarily one. Yeah. yeah, they're So they've got sugar in them or maybe a little bit of fat in them. Um, in a way, I've always said chicken is, is kind of a junk food just because you have primarily protein and that's about it. There's not a lot of um, extra stuff in that. So mm-hmm. let's break it down. There's a couple of things I want to make sure that we cover for our listeners uh, mm-hmm. so that they've got some practical things. Um, you mentioned some of the nutrient dense foods, but then I also want you to touch on this idea of anti-nutrients and the things that are within plants, because far too many people have grown up thinking that vegetables are where they're at, and they don't understand that vegetables are designed to fight against humans eating them. They want to stay alive and propagate. So let's let's start with what are some of the nutrient-dense foods that you recommend people incorporate for health? All right, nutrient-dense foods, liver's number one, probably oysters, number two. Egg yolks mm. or eggs, number three. These are just powerhouses of nutrition. Uh, after that, you basically have any animal food that's in its whole form. You know, lean chicken is like, yeah, not very nutrient dense. But if you ate like a chicken leg from a, you know, from a good mm-hmm. farm, a pasture raised chicken leg, it has some fat, got some dark meat. You're gonna get some vitamins in there. Yep. Uh, yep. Any seafood, basically any fish meat eggs just crush the fish the meat the eggs the, the fat the the bone marrow i mean if you're just drinking straight fat that's not actually nutrient dense but you, you can sure you know what I mean? like but you can get the fat that comes along with it uh from there you, then you kind of get the sliding scale down to the most 
nutrient poor foods, which actually have the most anti-nutrients, which are these plant foods that, like you said, they want to protect themselves. So their only defense is to create these chemicals that are basically pesticides. They're, they're creating natural pesticides so that bugs or predators don't eat them. And yeah, it's really weird that we have this concept of the plants are these magical things that just create health when they're actually something that we've had to highly breed and cultivate to, to not kill us. And humans for all of history yeah. have gone to great lengths to detoxify plants. And this is part of the film. This is part of my journey learning and people I interview like Dr. Bill Schindler, he travels around the world and studies how these cultures detoxify plants. They all have all these elaborate techniques to, they have to ferment and they soak. And, you know, in South America, he's down there, they're putting mm. a potato underground for like a year so that it, it ferments yeah. and gets rid of all of these anti-nutrients in them. People, you, people pressure cook beans and gets out the lectins. You can ferment sauerkraut to get out all these anti-nutrients. There, there's so many ways, like even bread, people, the traditional way to make bread was to use the old school heritage grains, you know, totally different from the GMO, mono, you know, Monsanto grains. And they would grind them fresh and then ferment them and, you know, use the yeast, like there's natural forming yeast just in the environment and they, they would collect it and make bread and you ferment it for a couple of days. And that actually does get rid of some of these anti-nutrients that block nutrient absorption. So not only are these anti-nutrients, there, there's a whole list of them. Actually, I found a great vegan site that listed all the anti-nutrients and what to be careful of. It's like phytates, phytic acid, oxidants, wow. lectins. And they were just going through them and like, watch out for this. You got If you can't eat so much raw spinach, you're going to get tons of oxalates. So it's really great that it's from a vegan site. And they do studies Way on this Way to go stuff. vegan. <laughs> it, it's wild. Like people have this cognitive dissonance. Yeah. They're like, plants are trying to kill us, but they're the healthiest things ever. So here's how to try to mitigate all the mm -hmm. damage. Oh, what I was going to say is not only do they block nutrient absorption, they mess with your gut too. And I think so much of disease yes. yeah. happens in the gut. I have this uh, paradigm of disease to me is like these like two just factors. And it's, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. They overlap and it's energy toxicity, which is basically eating too much energy which is basically if you mm. eat non-nutrient dense foods, like just bread, you're getting a whole bunch of energy and not enough nutrients. So your body keeps eating it. And then you end up with too much energy that then you have overstuffed fat cells turns into insulin resistance, type two diabetes, right? So that's energy toxicity is overabundance of energy, energy, meaning fat or carbs or both. And that is half the problem. The other half of the problem is gut problems. Your food affects your body the most. It's what it like kilogram of food goes through your body every day. Of course, it's going to have effects. Mm -hmm. People have IBD, IBS, Crohn's disease, SIBO, like so many gut problems. And it's because when they eat all the autoimmune issues, I think most of them are from gut problems, depression, even gut problems. It's where yep. most of your yep. serotonin is made in your gut. your gut. So it's like you have all these gut problems. You have all these energy toxicity problems, too much energy. So it's, I think all diseases, I can't say all, because there's also like, you know, environmental toxins, there's lead, there's, you know what I mean? There's like radiation, there's like more problems out there. But other than that stuff, you have these two things. So it's either the gut problems, it's energy toxicity, which is type two diabetes, insulin resistance, or both, right? And that's all disease. And mm -hmm. how do you get those? It's just from all the modern diet, modern foods, sugar, flour, oil stuffed into everything you eat. And so it attacks your gut you know, all these plant foods are attacking your gut. And then 
also the plant foods are blocking nutrient absorption. So man, it's kind of just like, yeah, flipped my world around. And I think you've been on that same journey where you're like, wait a second, plant foods aren't these magical things. Like they're this supermarket, you go to Whole Foods Market and you know, it's this cornucopia of colors of the rainbow. It's all shipped in from around the world. Mm. That's not normal. We just think this is what health is just because maybe there happens to be some health, people who are healthy who do a hundred other lifestyle factors like the blue zone people and then happen to eat a lot of stuff. But these are the people who are avoiding the, you know, the junk food, not smoking, not drinking, exercising. Anyway, it, it's kind of just yeah, yeah, this whole new paradigm. Well, it's a, it's an amazing paradigm that we have to start to adopt because when you look at the uh, some of the incidents of the these diseases and these problems, and we haven't even touched on mental health. I mean, mental health. Um, we talked a little bit about depression, but you think about anxiety and all of these other challenges that come in with today's society. But so much of that is linked to food. I mean, when I started to get rid of uh, a lot of the grains and the tubers and and those types of things from my diet, um, I man. I, I had never experienced any type of anxiety or uh, significant depression, <clears throat> excuse me, until I was into probably my 30s. But that was a time when I was eating what you would consider more of a standard American or even a clean diet, which again was junk food because I'm eating the chicken breast and I'm eating the potato. That's junk food. There's not a lot of nutrients in there. Um, and so I'm eating this and then all of a sudden I start to feel anxiety. And what a lot of people don't realize, like you're talking about that the health is in the gut. When you're taking care of the gut, your body fights off disease better, but there's also that super highway between the gut and the brain called the vagus nerve. And it sends signals immediately between the brain and the gut. Um, that, that's why we always call it our gut feel or our second brain, right? But if the gut isn't healthy, people are going to have all of these other issues uh, from a mental health standpoint. So I love this idea of nutrient density, and I love the idea of being aware of these anti-nutrients. Um, and that just, that blows my mind that you found some of that on a vegan website. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. People should check out Dr. That's Georgia so cool. E. Yeah, it is. Okay. I, I got to share that more. So Dr. Georgia E, speaking of all the, the mental health stuff, she's a Harvard psychiatrist and she talks all about this stuff. It's just so great coming from a female, especially because she's just seen through it all. And she's not going to give you this bogus message of like, eat your salads. She's just like, nah, eat red meat. And she's even gotten That's carnivore awesome. herself to, to even wow. help her own mental things. And she feels great. And it's, she's just really great. That's awesome. Well, Brian, I, I know we're coming up on our time here. I've just got a, a couple of uh, last questions for you um, that we like to ask our guests uh, as we wrap up an Evolve podcast. You know, at Evolve, we're really trying to get people to make an evolution. I think we have, as a society, devolved in many areas. Um, and I think you put it best at one point where you said that we are the smartest organism out there, right? We're homo sapiens, mm -hmm. we've evolved, and yet somehow we haven't figured out how to eat mm -hmm. um, and how to live a life that helps us to continue to grow and evolve. Um, are there, so a couple of questions I've got for you. Are there specific habits, routines, or rituals that you use on a regular basis to continually evolve and progress? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I do, I very much have like a daily routine and part of it and a workout, a workout routine, I think 
Okay, one. I'll, I'll give three. One, having a dog is great because that gets me outside in okay. the morning. Cool. Right? I'm doing a walk. Going for I'm walks. The sun. Yeah. That, that is amazing. Super healthy. Morning and night, I'm getting the sun. Two, I'm eating. I like to eat twice a day. And, and part of my okay. like routine is to just for efficiency. I also just think I like to eat till I'm full. And for me, that mm. what works for me is eating till I'm full and then not eating. I zero snacks. I haven't had snacks in years, years, no snacks. I just think so many people, people have a problem with snacking and it's never good. And it, it just always gets in the way, unless you're like a bodybuilder and you're purposely mm -hmm. snacking and you, you have a whole strategy. I think it always screws people. So I'm eating two meals right. a day of, of amazing, nutritious foods, animal based, just cooking for myself. I love it. And three is my workout. This is part of my ritual. Just, this really just helps me. I'm not going to be a bodybuilder anytime soon. I'll tell you that. I'm a pretty thin guy, but I stay lean, single digits, body fat. I've never really measured, but I can walk around with abs any day of the week. And it revolves around yeah. doing these super short, effective workouts. And shout out to Dr. Ted Naiman. You know, I just love his, his take too. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I, I've developed my own workout kind of, I'm trying to roll it out at the place I was talking about in Austin here. We have a little gym that it's drop sets to failure and it's quick. It's 25 minutes. I like my maintenance. It's mm. only twice a week. I get in there for 25 minutes, twice a week. I actually just did it right before we got on air. I ran here. I actually got into the gym at seven Oh one. I started the workout at seven Oh two. And I got on this podcast at seven 30. So I went, four, <laughs> That's awesome. so I got, so I finished my workout and got four blocks home up here, turned my lights on in my studio. So that's, so, but I could do it. Part of it is that it's because it's quick, it's effective and it's not grueling for me. I can, it's always going to happen. I'm, I've never missed at least two days a week. Like I only, well, I kind of only do it two days a week now, but I don't know. I, I just want to let people know that they don't have to do an hour CrossFit three to five times a week. I don't even know what people think they have right. to do. People think right. they have to go on a treadmill for an hour. It's like, oh, I'm not going to work uh, out. Yeah. What is, you know, that's a nightmare. I have to work, do a treadmill for an hour a day. Then I have to do the CrossFit for another hour the next day. And then the, it's, it's just exhausting. I get it. No one wants to work. No one wants to do that. I sprint once a week for like 20 minutes and I can just do my 25 minute drop sets of failure. I do, you know, if people know what drop sets are or, and going to failure, failure are, it's a very effective way to train your muscles very quickly. And I've interviewed great pro mus protein muscle synthesis researchers like Dr. Stu Phillips and Dr. Keith Barr. And, mm. you know, they, yep. they kind of confirmed yep. this. They're like, he's like, yeah, I blow into the weight room. I do one set on each muscle group and I leave. Yeah. Well, the science is out there and, and has been has been for years. And and if people don't know, what I would recommend is you've got to learn from somebody who really knows and start to to become educated on that. But they, I, I love those habits. Um, next question, Brian, as you've evolved over the years, and you talked about that this is a what a nine year journey for you at this point, mm -hmm. um, from starting to in this nutrition and uh, research to now, if you what what's something that you used to believe that you know, longer do mm. i think the main thing is what i was kind of saying that like carbs are the enemy i didn't realize mm. carbs were the enemy it was the type of carbs i was eating or it was like there was just way more to it so people demonizing like entire foods without context 
Like even, okay, for the past, whatever, 60 years, people saying fat's enemy. Well, you know what? They're accidentally right on half of it because yeah. all the plant fats are, are the enemy. If you're eating all these seed oils yeah. and, and frying them up, yeah, that's terrible. But see, that's a nuance there. You can't just say fat's enemy. It certainly isn't because animal fat, natural fat is amazing for you. And rancid seed oils that are in a fryer McDonald's are completely terrible for you. So it's the same thing with carbs. It's like, yeah, you can eat some fruit. Maybe even the potatoes, like I wouldn't base my diet on potatoes, but if you have a little sweet potato once in a while after you work out, that's not going to screw you. It's just don't make, right. you know what I mean? It's like, this is not, this stuff's not going to kill you. you. You just need a lot more context. So that's kind of where I'm at is just don't get caught up in like, you know, going hardcore thinking that, you know, just getting too, too far. I don't know, basically just being biased to one way of thinking and not looking yeah, at peel, peel the peel the layers back and look at the nuances i think life's very nuanced uh yeah great great answer there uh brian final question for you so uh at evolve we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another it doesn't have to be hard but it just has to be something that's consistent uh, what do you think the most important habit is that you would want our listeners to build on cooking for yourself not eating at restaurants that so that is it that the habit stacking that that progression that for me took nine years i remember mm. nine years ago reading the book and i'm like oh man but 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 you know you always but my pizza my my pasta this is my yeah. you know and yeah. I, this is what i grew up on in hawaii we're just you eat rice with everything no you, you it takes a while though it's like you have this slow progression of eating all this foods that you love, going to restaurants, you know, doing prepared foods or just relying on bread and pasta. And then over the years, you, you just chip away at it. And then you like want to go out to eat less and less. Now, if I haven't gone out to eat once, unless I was with if someone's visiting, I'll go out to eat with them. Right. I have no desire to go out to eat anymore because I just know that the food's not as good. They're going to, it's going to be expensive and they're going to cook it in a bunch of weird stuff. So that yeah. is a slow progression. You feel like, yeah, yeah, you feel horrible afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. It's just not, it's not worth it. But people think I'm just some maniac. I don't know if people listening might think I'm a maniac, but I'm like, it, this is not me being restrictive. It's not like I'm sitting here, man, I wish I could go to some restaurant and get, you know, some food. I, it doesn't cross my mind. I'm like, I'm going to make a better mm -hmm. meal than that. So that is my number yeah. one thing that, that you slowly chip away at and like change each day is and you if you learn to cook if you learn to enjoy these delicious foods right the foods we've been talking about are amazing we're talking about steak and eggs you know and avocado yeah. you make some guacamole you get some eggs i mean this is delicious so that's it yeah yeah i love that we had a uh, we had a chef on the podcast uh, some time ago and he said that the best food processing that you can ever do and the most processed food you should eat is the food that's been processed at the end of your chef's knife. And I said, oh, I love that definition. That's beautiful. Well, Brian, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, Brian Sanders uh, on Instagram, Food Lies. Uh, we've had a great conversation tonight and, and hope that our listeners have taken a lot uh, from us. Uh, Brian, what, what is the best way for people to connect with you? I know we referenced the website earlier, but we probably should give that again to make sure that people are supporting you. Um, how do you want people to connect with you and continue to support the great work that you're doing? 
Yeah, it's foodlies.org. You can go to sapien.org. It kind of links out to everything. It links out to nose the tail. You just uh, search foodlies on any platform and you'll just find me. YouTube, you can find the Game Changers debunked film you mentioned. We kind of we made a film yeah. as long as the Game Changers film itself. It was like an hour and 35 minutes or something and uh, we had some fun with it. Sean Baker wanted to do skits, so we ended up throwing some skits in there. But uh, there's a version they're without hilarious. the skits. Yeah. If people don't want, some oh, people okay. are complaining. They're like, why, why are you mocking people? And I don't know. We, we had just some fun with it. Like they're being stupid. So, you know, they had the th they had a yeah. whole, this is supposed to be a professional film. And they're talking about boners and like nighttime, you know, like eating a right. vegan burrito and getting a bigger boner or something. It was ridiculous. So we had them. We had to it really was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I food lies. just search for food lies. I'm there. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Very cool. Well, I, you're doing great work. Uh, we hope you keep it up because, uh, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of the content that you're putting out there. And I can't wait for the uh, um, for the series to come out and hopefully we'll see it on Netflix soon. Uh, so once again, thanks for coming on. And hey, to our listeners, uh, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.